So Tuesday evening, we did the setting the scene session of the ninth canto, excuse me, ninth chapter of the first canto, Bhishma Dev, uh, instructions by Grandfather Bhishma Dev to Maharaj Yudhishthir. And where we got, besides the history of who is Bhishma Dev and and so on, how we got to be in this situation. We um, were ready to hear the, the exchange between Grandfather Bhishma and Yudhisthira. And there are several parts to it. The first part that we'll, that we'll hear this evening is the assembly of personalities that came to see Grandfather Bhishma, to pay their respects to Grandfather Bhishma at the time of his parting, this world. Um, we heard that Yudhisthira, surrounded by his brothers and companions, appearing very aristocratic like Kuvera and the Guyakas, came to see Grandfather Bhishma. We spoke about the arrow that that Arjun shot into the ground to make water come out of the ground like a fountain and allow Bhishma to drink water and refresh himself. And we're going to hear now about his receiving the personalities that came. And I'd like to read the verses directly. They're very nice. Not so much the purports, but the verses. At that time, all his brothers followed him. Well, we read the first verse. I can see. I can see. I can see. Sutta Goswami said, this is text one, being afraid for having killed so many subjects on the battlefield of Kurukshetra, Maharaj Yudhisthira went to the scene of the massacre. There, Bhishma Dev was lying on a bed of arrows about to pass away. At that time, all his brothers followed him on beautiful chariots drawn by first-class horses decorated with golden ornaments. With them were Vyasa and rishis like Domya, the learned priest of the Pandavas, and others. O sage amongst the Brahmanas, Lord Sri Krishna, the personality of God, had also followed, seated on a chariot with Arjuna. Thus King Yudhisthira appeared very aristocratic, like Kuvera, surrounded by his companions, the Guyakas. Prabhupada's comment is this is Krishna's plan to enliven, inspire, and pacify Bhishma Dev because this was something that he longed for, was to see the Pandavas, the sons of Pandu, duly and properly established on the throne, and so he had them come in the most opulent of circumstances and present themselves opulently before Bhishma Dev. 
seeing Bhishma lying on the ground like a demigod fallen from the sky, the Pandava king, Yudhishthir, along with his younger brothers and Lord Krishna, bowed down before him. And Prabhupada's comment here is that Krishna, although everyone in the assembly knew that he was the personality of Godhead, at least the Pandavas and Bhishma and Vyas certainly knew he's the personality of Godhead, he played the role of a, of a human being and because he was of the same age as Arjuna, he behaved like the younger brother of Yudhisthira and as Yudhisthira paid his respects, in turn Krishna bowed down and paid his respects to Grandfather Bhishma. Just to see the chief of the descendants of King Bharata, Bhishma, all the great souls in the universe, namely the rishis amongst the demigods, the brahmanas and kings, all situated in the quality of goodness, were assembled there. And Prabhupada's comment is that rishis are given the title rishi because of their exceptional spiritual qualification and achievements. And his comment is their spiritual, exalted spiritual achievement doesn't have to be someone who's a brahmana. Rishis may also be Kshatriyas, and that's the case with Grandfather Bhishma. He himself was one of the Brahmarshis and the chief of the descendants of King Bharata. And um, all, so all these exalted personalities came and it's now um, the duty, religious duty, of Bhishma Dev to receive them. And obviously he's a little compromised to be able to receive people because of his physical condition. Here's the two verses that describe the who's who that came among them. All the great sages like Parvatmuni, Narada, Domya, Vyas, the incarnation of God, Brihadvasha, Brihadashva, Bharadvaj, and Parasharam and his disciples, Vashishta, Indra Pramada, Trita, Gritsamada, Asita, Kakshivan, Gotama, Atri, Koshika, and Sudarshana were present. And there's pages of biography of these personalities. And many others, like Shukadev Goswami, and other purified souls, Kashyapa, and Angirasa, and others, all accompanied by the respective disciples, arrived there. So it was, it was a huge assembly. Bhishmadev, who was the best among the eight Vasus, received and welcomed all the great powerful rishis who were assembled there, for he knew perfectly all the religious principles according to time and place. So, very important in um, the whole of this first canto is how to receive exalted personalities. There are many, many, many 
circumstances where sadhus or elevated personalities enter into an assembly and it's a cultural point but how one receives an elevated personality, a sadhu. So, in this case, Bhishma Dev, um, he did what his circumstance permitted. Mainly, he extended his heart and he extended kind words. Because, in one sense, he's the host. Of course, they've come to see him. It's like come to see somebody in a hospital. Or, in this case, you know, lying on his deathbed on the battlefield. But Prabhupada's comment is, an expert personality knows how to adjust time and place and circumstance. And um, historically, there's examples, and here is one with Bhishma Dev. He, 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 his graciousness was so elevated that all these great personalities, they felt they were perfectly contented and felt not just in the circumstance nicely received, but they were amazed at the, the grace of Grandfather Bhishma. So, how to receive a saintly person is a nice lesson. Lord Sri Krishna is situated in everyone's heart. Yet, he manifests his transcendental form by his internal potency. This very Lord was sitting before Bhishma Dev. And, since Bhishma Dev knew his glories, he worshipped him duly. Now, if he was in normal physical condition, he literally would have worshipped him. But, he worshipped him with his eyes, he worshipped him with his heart, he worshipped him with his words, and um, he felt extremely satisfied, and later he's going to comment how merciful is Krishna, that Krishna, in this most difficult of circumstances, personally came to honor him. The, the Pandavas were seated in such a way as you see that they could, they were at his feet and they could then see his face. He could see them face to face and um, they were feeling much grief seeing their grandfather who acted like their father in the absence of Pandu is now in this awful circumstance. The sons of Maharaj Panda were silently sitting nearby, overtaken with affection for their dying grandfather. Seeing this, Bhishma Dev congratulated them with feeling. There were tears of ecstasy in his eyes, for he was overwhelmed by love and affection. Oh, one can only imagine what the feelings of the Pandavas were. Not only their grandfather was dying, but their grandfather who acted like their father, who taught them everything, trained them everything, cared for them like his own children. And because of the battle which they were victorious in, look at his condition, how much grief they must have been feeling. 
And Bhishma Dev, being the gracious personality that he was, he understood their feelings and he then exhibited his own feelings as feelings of love and happiness just to see them. And he began to speak. Um, Prabhupada comments in relation to Krishna's coming that he was there to show his love for Grandfather Bhishma and to honor the love that Grandfather Bhishma had for him. So the opening words of Grandfather Bhishma are here. Oh, what terrible sufferings and what terrible injustices you good souls suffer for being the sons of religion personified. You did not deserve to remain alive under those tribulations, yet you are protected by the brahmanas, God, and religion. Look at his condition. And they're feeling terrible for his condition. And to to relieve, especially Yudhisthira, relieve his grief that I'm the cause of this terrible condition of Grandfather Bhishma. He's speaking about what sufferings they have had to undergo. The tribulations, the ordeals that they had to pass through, so severe that an ordinary person wouldn't have survived. But they survived because they were protected by the brahmanas, God in religion. This is going to come up again, but I'll mention it. Later on he's speaking, Bhishma Dev is speaking, that he understands that what has happened is simply the act of time or fate or destiny. And who can understand the will of the Supreme Lord? Great sages and learned personalities have been puzzling since time immemorial and they can't understand the plan of the Lord. Simply accept it. It's the plan of the Lord. Too difficult to understand why and wherefore. What one should examine, rather, is these principles at the bottom. Very important. That one is... um, When one is guided by these three things, one is protected by these three things, and there's nothing to lament over the outcome of circumstances. So, Maharaj Yudhisthira, were you conducting yourself by the codes of religion, theistic conduct, and in the execution of the codes of theistic conduct, were you applying them according to the guidance of qualified brahmanas and Vaishnavas. And if you were applying them according to the guidance of brahmanas and Vaishnavas, was your purpose to satisfy the Supreme Lord? And in your case, if that's the case, then you're protected and there's nothing to lament over, over the outcome of activities. So you just hear, you're the son of Dharmaraj and you would never act outside of religious principle. All of what you did was completely according to the codes of religious principle. And 
you sought the guidance of qualified brahmanas. You executed the, the instructions of the qualified brahmanas and everything that you did was simply for the satisfaction of Krishna. So you just hear there's no cause for lamentation. And even one may do those things. This is an important lesson also. Still, tribulations may come. Here's what Prabhupada writes in his purport. Dev wanted to point out particularly that the Pandavas were protected by the Brahmanas, the Lord, and religious principles. As long as they were protected by these three important items, there was no cause of disappointment. Thus Dev encouraged Maharaj Yudhisthira to dissipate his despondency. Then, as long as a person is fully in cooperation with the wishes of the Lord, guided by bona fide Brahmanas and Vaishnavas, and strictly following religious principles, one has no cause for despondency, however trying circumstances of life. Very helpful, my dear devotees, if you sometime in the future Maybe once or twice in your lifetime you'll find some trying circumstances. Maybe. If that happens, remember this. What you should do is check the, not, the circumstances that are beyond your control are beyond your control. What's within your control is how well you follow the codes of Dharma, the prescribed duties for mankind, how much you've sought the guidance of qualified persons, how to apply those principles in your life, and how much those principles and the execution of what's been advised of you is done for the satisfaction of Krishna. If there's some discrepancy there, improve in that discrepancy. But as far as the outcome is concerned, no cause for despondency if those things are in place. So... Do it the other way around. Best to follow those three things. That's what Bhishma Dev is instructing. His intent from the very first words that he's speaking here is to relieve the grief of Maharaj Yudhisthira. It's Krishna's intention to bring glory to Grandfather Bhishma Dev because someone may criticize why did he fight on the side of Duryodhana? Why did he not protect Draupadi in the gambling assembly? Um, th- there's transcendental answers to those things, some very nice transcendental answers to those things. But just for the moment, we'll come back to this, but Krishna wanted to show the world that Grandfather Bhishma is such a personality that even Vyasa and I, Lord Krishna, could not pacify the heart of Yudhisthira. But Grandfather Bhishma can. He's so exalted. He's so qualified. He's a pure devotee. And he's empowered. He empowered Bhishma to do what even Krishna couldn't do purposefully to bring honor and 
esteem and regard to Grandfather Bhishma. So how he's step by step removing the grief from Yudhisthira's heart is something worth studying carefully, reading again and again and again. His first words are to honor not just their stoicism, but the great misfortune that has come into their life and despite the great misfortune, they were always protected. It looked like things were very, 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 very extremely, radically, terribly difficult. Krishna always protected them. Krishna was always on their side. Like this saying, Dharma, Raksha, Rakshataha. One who protects Dharma is protected by Dharma. Here it's triple protection. Protection by the Brahmanas, protection by Dharma, protection by the Supreme Lord Himself. He's honoring the difficulties they passed through, the protection that they re- always received. Sometimes you may also have to relieve the burden of someone's heart and these are nice words to remember. Then after drawing the attention of everyone to the difficulties and sufferings they had to undergo, he speaks of Kunti specifically. As far as my daughter-in-law Kunti is concerned, upon the great general Pandu's death, she became a widow with many children and therefore she suffered greatly. And when you were grown up, she suffered a great deal also because of your actions. She is the mother and their actions put them, put them into difficulty. The gambling procedure of Yudhisthira put the whole Pandavas were now in exile and Kunti went along with them being under their protection. In my opinion, this is all due to inevitable time under whose control everyone in every planet is carried just as the clouds are carried by the wind. Uh, Kala Kritam is the Sanskrit. Kala, of course, is time. Kritam, done by time, the inevitable time, the force of inevitable time. And even Krishna, here he, he he's involved in all of this because time is, of course, it's his energy. But because time is moving everything, all the events in the lives of Kunti and the Pandavas and Pandu and the whole royal family, time is moving things. And time keeps moving. Time is invincible, inexorable, and inexplicable. So many inexplicable reverses in the lives of the Pandavas due to this influence. Oh, how wonderful is the influence of inevitable time. It is irreversible. Otherwise, how can there be reverses in the presence of King Yudhisthira, the son of the demigod controlling religion? Bhima, the great fighter with a club, the great bowman Arjuna with his mighty weapon Gandiva, and above all the Lord, the direct well-wisher of the Pandavas. 
time is acting even... He's on the side of the Pandavas. The, the Pandavas were practically invincible. And yet so many difficulties. They And, and so dear to Krishna. Still time, time is acting. So... Prabhupada writes, sometimes this question, more than sometimes this question comes, despite the power of pious acts, the power of personalities, the power of expert management and the power of weapons under the direct supervision of Lord Krishna, the Pandavas suffered so many practical reverses. Why, people ask, such a good person. Such difficulty. Why? Yes? Which can only be explained as due to the influence of Kala. Inevitable time. Kala is identical with the Lord Himself. And therefore, the influence of Kala indicates the inexplicable wish of the Lord Himself. And then someone may say, that's the problem. They're a good person and the difficulty and you say it's time, it's the hand of God and well, you know, why? Why is God allowing this to happen to a good person? To that, Bhishma Dev says, O king, no one can know the plan of Lord Krishna. Even though great philosophers inquire exhaustively, they're bewildered. You can ask the question, why? But it's, it's inexplicable. What's the plan of, what's Krishna's plan? It's inexplicable. The events of his point, the point of the purport is time indicates a plan. Can we understand the plan? Very difficult to understand the plan. Oh, best among the descendants of Bharata, I maintain therefore that all this is within the plan of the Lord, accepting the inconceivable plan of the Lord. You must follow it. You are now to administer, uh, you now the appointed administrative head, and, my Lord, you should now take care of those subjects who are now rendered helpless. So, Difficulty comes. Where do your consciousness go? That's one way. Another is, why did God do this to me? And another is, look and see how you've conducted your, how true, how close the fidelity is to the, the codes of Dharma, guidance of underqualified persons. Have my, has my intent been simply to, to please the Supreme Personality of Godhead? If those things are in place, then simply accept that it's some plan of the Lord that's inexplicable, and so be it. And carry on with devotional service to your, the capacity that God has given you. And in this case with Yudhisthira, the plan, Krishna's plan, was a Righteous king, ruling the world before Krishna departed the world. He came for that purpose. Duryodhana is not that virtuous king. 
He wanted a virtuous king to be in place before he left the world. So now, all these citizens, the population, they're depending upon you to be that pious king. Krishna is depending on you to be the pious king, to give protection to your citizens. Yudhisthira, rise to the occasion and perform your prescribed duty. Prabhupada in the purport speaks again about difficulties that a devotee, any one of us, these trying to be devotees, may be uh, exposed to. A devotee's duty, therefore, is to ungrudgingly accept tribulations from the Lord as a benediction. I'll read the purport, it's nice. He's using this example. The housewife teaches the daughter-in-law by instructing the daughter. So similarly, Krishna is having Bhishma Dev instruct the world by instructing Yudhisthira. The, the devotee does not have to learn anything new from the Lord because the Lord teaches the sincere devotee always from within. Whenever, therefore, a show is made to teach a devotee, as in the case of the teachings of Bhagavad Gita, or here, Bhishma Dev instructing Yudhisthira, it is for the teachings of the less intelligent men. A devotee's duty, therefore, is to ungrudgingly accept tribulations from the Lord as a benediction. The Pandavas were advised by Bhishma Dev to accept the responsibility of administration without a hesitation. The poor subjects were without protection due to the battle of Krukshetra and they were awaiting the assumption of power by Maharaj Yudhisthira. Again he writes, A pure devotee of the Lord accepts tribulations as favors from the Lord. Maybe some of you were listening over the weekend to the invocation verses from uh, Srimad Bhagavatam. Same point was made. Um, when difficulties come or reversals come or circumstances arise in the life of a devotee that cause some kind of obstacle or something, difficulty, for the devotee, it means this is an, minimally, this is an opportunity being given by Krishna to depend more on Him. And therefore, the obstacle, difficulty situation is accepted as an act of mercy from Krishna. It's accept, it's embraced with happiness because it brings remembrance, intensified remembrance and thought of Krishna. That's in a very advanced stage. Um, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur comments and on this section of the, the, the Bhagavatam, that invocation section, where he says the same thing. One has, um, one will enter into the stage of love of God when those situations that are reversals in this world are taken as displays of Krishna's mercy. And just as, as Prabhupada writes here, since the Lord is absolute, there is no mundane difference between the two. Mercy in the form of some difficulty, mercy in the form of some good fortune. 
It's an opportunity, like Sudama, when he had nothing, Krishna is very kind. When it, instead there was a palace and riches, Krishna is very kind. Whatever the circumstances, Krishna is very kind. And that's the position of one who has entered into love, a love of God. Prior to love of God, we don't see like that. And because we don't see like that, we're prevented from entering into the realm of love. We're in the realm of business and uh, self-centeredness. Look at Bhishma Dev. But he's thinking of the welfare of Yudhisthira and the Pandavas and Krishna's desire and he's completely absorbed in inspiring Yudhisthira to take up this position, accept the Lord's plan. This is the Lord's plan. Can perform your service. And they have such love for Bhishma Dev and such faith in the words of Bhishma Dev. It, it, it effectively moved Yudhisthira's heart. Now, the next section of verses is speaking of Krishna's desire, Yudhisthira, please take up Krishna's desire. He now moves into his mind is just contemplating Krishna. And here are these wonderful verses. They're really, really beautiful. This is his Krishna consciousness. This Sri Krishna is no other than the invincible inconceivable, original personality of God, that he is the first Narayana, the supreme enjoyer, but he is moving amongst the descendants of King Vrishni, just like one of us. And he is bewildering us with his self-created energy. He, he under Bhishma Dev, clearly, unmistakably understands Krishna's position as the Lord of the spiritual world and the Lord of the material world. He's the Lord of all lords. He knows it perfectly well. Even when he was fighting with him on the battlefield, he knows it perfectly well. So he's now focusing his mind and consciousness externally and internally explicitly on Krishna. O King, Lord Shiva, Narada, and the sage, Narada, the sage among the demigods, and Kapila, the incarnation of Godhead, all know very confidentially about his glories through direct contact. He's speaking of three of the twelve Mahajans, and he's one, so he's four. He knows Krishna's glories perfectly well. O king, that personality whom, out of ignorance only, you thought to be your maternal cousin, your very dear friend, well-wisher, counselor, messenger, benefactor, etc. Is that very personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna? He's very Krishna conscious. Being the absolute personality of Godhead, he is present in everyone's heart. He is equally kind to everyone. And he is free from the false ego of differentiation. Therefore, whatever he does is free from material inebriety. He is equal balanced. Again, Krishna's plan, which you're so fortunate to be part of, you can't understand. 
fix your mind upon who is Krishna, whose plan it is that you're part of, and simply accept it. Fix your mind upon Him. He's giving you an opportunity to serve Him in full consciousness of Him. Embrace that opportunity. Yet, despite His being equally kind to everyone, He has graciously come before me while I am ending my life, for I am His unflinching servitor. The personality of Godhead who appears in the mind of the devotee by attentive devotion and meditation and by chanting of the holy name releases the devotee from the bondage of fruitive activities at the time of quitting his material body. May my Lord, who is forehanded and whose beautifully decorated lotus face with eyes as red as the rising sun is smiling, kindly await me at that moment when I quit this material body. So he's explicitly acknowledging Krishna's position. He's acknowledging the kindness that Krishna is exhibiting to him to be present at the time of his passing, standing directly by his side so that his eyes can be fixed upon the form of Krishna as he gives up his body. His grandfather Bhishma is a servant of Krishna and his desire is to act according to the desire of Krishna, whatever that is. So, as explained, one of Krishna's desires is to bring honor to Grandfather Bhishma. This is just the beginning. Grandfather Bhishma has now successfully pacified the grieving heart of Yudhisthira. Even in this circumstance, seeing his grandfather in this condition, Grandfather Bhishma is so powerful and so exalted. Krishna has brought that honor and glory to Grandfather Bhishma. Yudhisthira's doubt is now relieved. Bhishma Dev is appreciating. Bhishma Dev is appreciating Krishna's kindness for coming before him at the time that he's leaving his body. And he's praying this request. May this, the form of the Lord, be before me as I quit this body. And um, then Yudhisthira goes on to ask Grandfather Bhishma, if I accept, I will accept the duties of king. Now please instruct me how I can carry out my duties. And Prabhupada comments, normally you don't ask such a question of a person who's in this circumstance. (laughs) But Krishna inspired him to do like that. In the presence of so many sages, rather than Yudhisthira turning to the Vyasadeva or anyone else, Domya and Gotama and Asital and Devala and Vishishta and all of them together, he's asking Grandfather Bhishma to, again, bring honor and 
recognize the exalted position of Grandfather Bhishma. And Grandfather Bhishma tomorrow is going to speak wonderful instructions to um, Yudhishthira on how a Chatriya king should perform his duties. So there's nice instruction on the Varnashram system. That's a- another section that's um, deep and subtle. So therefore, it's a little difficult to clearly understand where is the where is what's the role of the, the Bhagavatam is teaching paradharma. We mentioned this yet on Tuesday. The supreme occupation for the living being. Part of the supreme occupation for the living being is you perform your prescribed duties for the purpose of pleasing the personality of Godhead. So how does a Vaishnava carry out the duties of Varna and Ashram? How do the two? There's transcendental and worldly Dharma. How do they blend? How do they match? Vyasadeva is going to give some instructions. In Mahabharata, the instructions are exhaustive, very, very, very lengthy and, and intricate. In the Bhagavatam, it's just presented the essence, and that's what we're going to hear tomorrow evening. We're done. Hare Krishna. Someone turn the light on. If you forget everything else, try to remember this one thing. These these three points. Theistic conduct under the guidance of qualified Vaishnavas and Brahmanas for the satisfaction of the personality of Godhead. Let those three things be the guiding principles of your life. And then, in turn, whatever happens, whatever results unfold, by providential arrangement, embrace them. It, Krishna's somehow, Krishna's plan for some service for you, something, something. Like the, the verse um, that we were discussing, this little section of the verses from Bhagavad Gita about detachment from the results of your work, which is a nice thing to say. How do you do it? Because we're all attached to the results of our work. We're strongly influenced, like controlled by, driven by, fruitive mentality. Even in the arena of our devotional practices, in our day-to-day life, in our home and workplace and wherever we are, we're like consumed by this fruitive mentality thing. This is an, this is a, um, a how-to principle. When you're living in the world, things don't always go the way that you think they should go, right? We all know that one. And when they don't go the way you think they should go, what do you? how do you evaluate that? How do you process that? One of the verses that, no, excuse me, one of the three things that yesterday evening's verse spoke about was when other people interact with a transcendentalist and they're honoring or dishonoring or simply they're not responding at all, they're just being neutral. 
How does that affect the transcendentalist? How does it affect you? How do you process those things? That, so, the, the, the indication that Bhishma Dev is giving is be attached to Krishna. And in the course of being attached to Krishna, you do these other things. And let the results be what they are. That's, that's what's, what Krishna does, as I said yesterday. That's Krishna's department. He's in charge of the results department. And we're in charge of the service department. So we do the service part as nicely as we can. And the results, it's up to Krishna. Do as nicely as you can. The results are up to Krishna. We should have some goals, but the results are up to Krishna. Things don't always match our goals. We make some goals anyways. And the results are up to Krishna. We strive sincerely, earnestly, and honestly. And the results are up to Krishna. And even a great personality, the Pandavas and Kunti. Difficulty after difficulty after difficulty. They could go, what are we doing wrong? Or what's wrong with Krishna? Or, you know, something, whining and complaining. But they didn't do that. They stayed steadfast in their dependence upon Krishna. And time and again, Krishna took them from the difficulty and put them in a position of safety. Okay, so any discussion? Yes. Suja, yes. Hare Krishna. You were mentioning about the two, uh, you were mentioning about um, the two transcendental reasons for which Abhishmane did not um, support Draupadi on this day, uh, she was wrong. And then why he supported on the side of the Like you said, there were two transcendental reasons for that. Do you want to hear them? Yes. Yes. Krishna, Prabhupada writes about it in the Bhagavatam, in this sect, in this chapter. Krishna wanted to show that whoever you are, you can be Grandfather Bhishma or whoever you are, that if there is failure to protect women, you'll be destroyed. It's, it's most important. <laughs> so, through Bhishma Dave, he showed that. The second is far more transcendental. The far more transcendental reason is that Grandfather Bhishma's rasa with Krishna is dasya rasa. Shanta dasya sakya vatsalya madhurya. His rasa is dasya rasa. Arjuna's sakya rasa this is Dasya Rasa. There's nothing that he wants, like Hanuman. There's nothing that Hanuman wants but the service of Ram. There's nothing that Bhishma wants but the service of Ram. There are incarnations of sons of Ayu. Their, their mood is the same. 
Bhishma Dev had a secondary rasa. You know the meaning, secondary rasa. When, when the secondary rasa becomes very strong, it temporarily eclipses the primary rasa. It's described very, very nicely in those inter- invocation verses. You can look in the purport. Secondary rasa eclipses the primary rasa. So his secondary rasa with Krishna was chivalry. To have, to give Krishna the pleasure of that rasa of chivalry, because it's Krishna's pleasure, he was on the opposite side, fighting against the Pandavas. Because he was fighting against the Pandavas, he had to fight against the Pandavas. And Duryodhana called him on it. Said, you're not fighting vigorously. You're, you're a general. So he took a vow. So then, the, you know, the, the Leela is going to come up. It's going to, you know, we have some very beautiful pictures and, and Bhishma Dev speaks about his, his happiness of seeing Krishna on the opposite side of the battle with the arrows that he had fired into his body and the whole you know scene as he's leaving his body that's what he's meditating on not just Parthasarati but Krishna getting off the chariot and raising the chariot wheel a broken chariot wheel ready to smash Grandfather Bhishma that's his absorption to experience that and to give Krishna the happiness of that exchange, he was on the other side. And some people criticized him. Why is he fighting against Krishna and Krishna's dear most? Pandavas. The Pandavas are rightful. Why do he, he is the knower of Dharma. Why did he make this mistake? To give Krishna the happiness of chivalrous rasa. Deep. The inexplicable plan of the Supreme Lord. Inspiring Grandfather Bhishma the way that he did. Yes? It was a very nice class. But like, as you elaborated more on the subject matter, I have few questions. Okay. I don't know. I'll try. Uh, on your first class, the the Tuesday class, you said like um, the Vasus they committed an offense, so they were um, they were they have to take birth in this material world, and they would be liberated. And Vishma is one of them. Like he was born as Devadatta. Yeah. And Deva Vrata. Yeah, Deva Vrata. And so he had this curse, he had to stay a little longer. Yes. More than other, because he was the primary offense. Yes, yes. Okay, my question is like, if, and you also said in the same day, like he had this boom, like he can leave the body when he desired to. Yes. It's like, you know, it's kind of contradictory. He's, 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 he made a, an offense for which he was given the reaction taking birth on earth. But he's an exalted personality who made an offense and he's relieved of the offense by the curse. The curse wasn't just, 
you know, just I'll get you. You did a bad one, I'm going to get you. It was relieving him of the reaction. That's when a saintly person makes a curse. It may not look like that, but that's what it is. So he is relieved of the reaction for that offense. Now, here he is, his grandfather Bhishma. And he is the top, just as the verse said, he's the best of the Vasus. Right in the Bhagavatam verse. And he received a boon. Why did he, why was that? That was from his father. For what? His complete selflessness to serve the interests of his father above his own interest. He's already the, the prince regent. I won't become king. That's not enough. Okay, I won't marry. I won't, I won't have a relationship with a woman so that my father can have the relationship. He's, the, he's, he's, he's this exalted person. And he, and he never deviates from, like Yudhisthira, never deviates from the truth. Perfectly discerning person. He's the demigod, the, the, um, uh, this exalted personality here on earth. The reaction is now cleared that he's on earth. Behaving as a deva on earth. There's the answer. He's not, He's not continuing to suffer from the curse. Anyway, does that help? Uh, yes, not kind of, but... I have an elaboration of the same question. Okay, keep going. Um, you also said that he's one of the Mahajans out of yes. the world. Yes, yeah. So, meaning you also told what, what Mahajan is. Yes. He knows Dharma, the, everything. He knows absolutely. Yes. Krishna is one of the Mahajans. So no, Krishna isn't. Krishna isn't one of the twelve. Oh, and oh. you want to see what the twelve are? The twelfth one, I thought himself human. Yeah, that's the person speaking is Yudhis is is Dharmaraj, is Yudhis Yamaraj. Okay. Yamaraj is saying who the twelve are to the the Yamadutas. He's one of the twelve, Yamaraj. Okay. So uh, he is one of the Mahajans. So he has a preview of what's coming up in the future. Not necessarily. One who is a Mahajan, this question came up in the morning class. Someone was asking. Yeah. Jivana was asking, right? Does, does, does Narada have the capacity to know ahead of time what's going to happen? Like what happened with Dhruva? He went back to his father and said, he's going to achieve perfection. And then he's going to come back home. And your fame is going to increase just because of his fame. Your fame will increase. So, is it that someone who's a Mahajan can see the future? We discussed that in the morning class. And the answer that I gave is, unless we hear specifically as Vyasa's Trikalagya, he's one of the Mahajans, not necessarily. Like Yamaraj, we know, has this unique capacity that he can, just at looking at a person, he knows everything that they've done. Wow. Better watch out being in front of Yudhisthira. I mean, the Yamaraj. 
So he's uniquely qualified. And Vyasadeva is uniquely, uniquely qualified. And Shukadeva goes on. But so, does it necessarily mean they can see past, present, and future perfectly? Not necessarily. But they can read. This tells that... Like there's... Even people that are into astrology or numerology, that, you know, they can see something and they can know something. Just because they know the science or the art of... So, like that. We don't necessarily know... I don't know of any scriptural indication that says the Mahajans necessarily know the outcome of events before they happen. And in any case, Bhishmadeva is acting as the servant of Krishna. Um, just like this, the thing that's not showing here, but... Krishna in the heart of Yudhisthira inspired Yudhisthira to ask Bhishma Deva about the duties of a king in the presence of all the other sages to honor Bhishma Deva above all the other sages. So Krishna can induce a devotee to do something from within, from within their heart. Whether they know the future or they don't know the future. Krishna knows. Does that address the question? Well, because he had been installed as the king, he knew what Krishna want, wanted. He, he, Krishna, he knew. <laughs> Krishna descended into this world to relieve the burden of the earth of the Maniac kings and install a, a, a religious king. That certainly wasn't Yudhisthira, Duryodhana. Krishna wanted Yudhisthira to be the king. And now he's the king. This is what Krishna wants, a rule. This is his plan. Why it went this way instead of that way that you became the king, who can say? He wants you to be the king. Everyone is depending on you. Krishna is depending on you. Take the service. Again and again, you mentioned like he was in that uh, Dasya mood. Yes, that's his rasa. So he knows. Uh, I mean, like Yudhishthira is going to be the king, and then he also had this boon, like he can call upon his death, like he can leave his material body when he want to. Yeah. So when he was predicting the future, and when his master was present in that material world, why did um, Bhishma choose to leave the material body? He could have. Um, he could have done whatever he wanted to do. He could have done whatever he wanted to do. Some service for Bhishma Dev is called upon somewhere else. Now, how does somebody know what their service is that Krishna wants them to do next? If you're Bhishma Dev, you know. You're just, or just, the, the inspiration is there now, it's time to go. We're going to see some slide that says, same in Prabhupada's life. Have you, you've read the Lamrita? Little bit. In the final section, Prabhupada's departure, it's likened to Grandfather Bhishma's leaving. I mentioned this Tuesday evening. Prabhupada could have stayed. Prabhupada could have gone. 
and he made it very clear. Krishna is, is giving me the option to stay or to go. And then it was, stay. <laughs> Prabhupada decided to stay because we need you. And Prabhupada wasn't saying yes and wasn't saying no, but he wasn't eating. And they, he, and they were saying, if you don't eat, it's, that's a decision. You're going. And he, the Prabhupada would say, yes, it's true. You can't, you can't continue the, maintaining the body without eating. And he wasn't eating. And then at one point, he, he yawned and said something like, okay, give me some ice cream. Something like that. <laughs> and everyone went, Prabhupada, he's going to eat. He's going to stay with us. And then his mood changed again after some time. Here he is like this, bones, just skin and bones. But crystal clear in consciousness. Who knows how much pain his body was going through. And no indication at all of the pain his body was. His, his mind was as sharp and as... He was writing, not writing, he was speaking the Bhaktivedanta purports to... Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 10, Chapter 13. And read those purports. They're brilliant. His mind, his consciousness was not at all affected. Like Bhishma Dev. But so, how does such a person know the desire of Krishna? <laughs> when you're on such a platform, you'll know how such a person knows the desire of Krishna. We don't. We're not on that platform. But they're on that, so they have that, that capacity. They also have the capacity to stay or to, or to go. So their, their position is simply a position of service. And as the indication of service, they go. Like, you know, like any one of us. You, you, you plan your week. Or, you know, you, you plan your next year. Very soon there's going to be a strategic planning for the ISKCON St. Louis. So we make a plan. You know, why this plan instead of that plan or another plan? Krishna is inspiring us from within our heart according to our, you know, our, our relationship with him and our capacity to be tuned into the Krishna channel instead of, you know, the other one. So they have that capacity. Some indication from Krishna. There's some other service for me. And his his you, you you know from the pictures you see his body was very old. How much? How long can you? I want to stay on in this body. It's not. It's it's as Prabhupada was saying. It's not fit. It's time to discard it. Some other service, you know, continue serving Krishna in some other capacity, some other place, some other situation. Yes. try to be within the codes of religious conduct 
we um, are trying to please Krishna. There's a, there's a lot of material portions to that, so it's not a pure uh, desire to please Krishna. So it seems like there's, um, you know, at our stage, there's a healthy lamentation of, um, I didn't exactly do this entirely for the pleasure of Krishna. But then there's also um, material attachments which cause lamentation. Um, you know, yeah. one example might be, I'm not totally attached to the same person, but I have all these other material attachments, and therefore they are causing lamentation. Um, I just wanted to request if you could comment on that lamentation that I experienced. Well, few things. One, I, I spoke about this three times already during the class, which is when that moment comes, turn your attention to those three things. And if you see those three things are inadequate in some way, put your intention in making them adequate, you know, that you, you bring the cure rather than dwelling in lamentation. That's one. For a, for a Vaishnav, regret is purifying. For a Vaishnav to dwell in lamentation is the mode of ignorance. We don't, we don't say yes to the mode of ignorance. We say yes to the mode of goodness. So you let go of the mode of ignorance and you take shelter of the mode of goodness and the, 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 the regret, or you say lamentation, I like the word regret better, it, it, it's like a springboard that can lift you to a higher position. From this position of regret, let me move to the position of proper action. Regret is a springboard to proper action. And however many times you have to jump on the springboard, let me move to improved action, improved application. Another is, your question is very clear. There's, there's um, spiritual, lamenta- spiritual regret and there's material, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't have sufficient attachment for saintly persons and, and so on because I, have, I, I, I place greater importance with my my stuff. It's similar when you see that. It's just, it's, it, um, that's part of purification is seeing that I have contaminations that before I began the process of purification, I, I didn't even recognize that I had those contaminations. So that's good. It's a step towards purification. Now let me continue going forward with the process of purification. Having faith in the process, having faith in the teaching, having faith in the teacher as much as there's faith in those three things. The process, the teaching, and the teacher, or teachers. And then move forward on, on that, um, applying the process. And continue from unsteady to steady as purification goes on.
And the third point is kind of something I've already said. Regret has its place, lamentation doesn't. Or staying in that space of lamentation doesn't, doesn't have its place in progressive spiritual life. Feeling humility has its place. The feeling humility is similarly, it's, an in, it's, it's a place from which I exercise enthusiasm in a humble mood. Not, I just feel like um, squished, lowly, down, bad. That's not humble. That's a, that's a bodily conception of, or a material conception of what humility is. Beaten down and down and down. That's material. Second question. Um, how to understand uh, Vishma telling the Pandavas that it's out of ignorance only that you accepted Krishna as your cousin? Well, it's like Kunti saying the same thing about herself. She, um, like Bhishma Dev, she sees Krishna as the personality of Godhead. He's saying in this verse, he's Narayan. She's saying, you are super soul. Moving amongst us. That's like, ha- imagine having that vision. Here's super soul moving amongst us. What would that be like? <laughs> And she could relate to that comfortably. But she was uncomfortable when Krishna would come and touch her feet and offering respect. So, almost the opposite, like Arjuna saying to Krishna, I've, I've taken you, you know, as my friend. We would sit down together, lie down together, talk together, friends together. But you're the you're the personality of Godhead. This is not right. You're the personality of Godhead. I, that was... So, it wasn't ignorance. It was Yoga Maya. So, Yudhisthira, Bhishma Deva speaking, you know, he's like Krishna's God. <laughs> and anything other than that is ignorance. He's not appreciating the, the intimacy of love Thus, Yogamaya covering Arjun so he doesn't see him as the personality of Godhead. He's a you know personality of Godhead fan. Like that. Yes. Uh, when Vishwani was in his teens, did he know that he was a Vasu? There's no indication one way or the other. No indication. So I can't say. I would say, I don't know. Because the scripture doesn't say whether he knew or didn't know. Vyasadeva, who is writing this, knew.
trying to recall. There's there's a Who's the speaker in the Adi Parva section that's describing all of the history of Huh? He's speaking in Adi Parva? Okay. Because in in the Bhishma Parva, he Bhishma discloses all kinds of things. Well, when maybe it's not Bhishma Parva. He's disclosing the, the, the Pandavas come and ask him, how can we defeat you? Because, you know, the, the, this battle is going on day after day and it's, it's, it's not going anywhere. Please disclose how we can defeat you. And then he, he says, okay, I, here's how you can defeat me. He tells the whole story of Shikandi and how Shikandi and the whole thing. So he knows all kinds of things about histories and himself and, and on and on and on. So I would be surprised if he didn't know that he was a Vasu and he came to that position because of these events and but there's no I don't know of I don't know of any direct indication that says he knew. Or that says he doesn't know. Does anybody else who has read Mahabharat know? Did, did Bhishma Dev know? Was he a Vasu or not? Nice question. Uh, Just I'm in Chaitanya Charitamrita how all the associates who are in Krishna Leela when they appeared in uh, Chaitanya Leela they didn't know who they were in Krishna Leela. I'm, I'm not sure if it's related to that. Okay. Lal you have something to add to this? It's, just, uh, it's a similar thing we can also think about Jaya Vijaya also. Right now. Where the Jaya Vijaya, when they came as Ravana Kumbhakarna, they knew. They didn't knew. <laughs> so, so. Bhishma is a little different. <laughs> <laughs> Bhishma is full of light, not full of darkness. Anything else? Yes? When you were showing the picture... Uh, Which one? Uh, you said Bhishma knew that Krishna is Narayana. And well, the Bhagavatam verse says it. It, it, it's I'm not exactly sure I understand your question because supposing someone has a relationship like when do it the other way around when 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 Chaitanya Mahaprabhu saw Lord Jagannath he saw Krishna holding a flute with two hands when um when Uddhava came to find Krishna in the forest, he saw Krishna with four arms. So, Krishna exhibits the form according to the mood of his devotee. 
So the mood of Bhishma Dev is the mood of Bhishma Dev. He longed to see the Lord of Vaikuntha. That's Bhishma Dev. Now in the verses, he speaks something about the unique position of the gopis. So he had that appreciation of the love of the gopis for Krishna. And he is appealing for their mercy that when he's leaving his body, he thinks of Krishna. But how Bhishma Dev saw the gopis and how Uddhava saw the gopis and how other personalities, Shukadeva Goswami saw the gopis may not be the same. But we know there's there's two verses in which he, he specifically says seeing the four-armed form. Okay? Yes? Um, earlier I asked you um, in Srimad Bhagavatam all the cantos you, you said that like all the cantos represent um, Yeah, there's a, there's a poster Right next to the altar, okay. that you can go and look at it. It tells the whole, all twelve cantos, what's in them, and which part of the body of Krishna they are representing or disclosing. Okay. All right. Yes. Okay. Right next to the altar, to the right. I've got a different one on my computer. I can show you too. Okay. Thank you very much. Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai.